Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. How y'all doing? Good, 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 good. So glad you're here today. Um, we kicked off January, and I, I can't believe, here we are, the month is just going, 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 going. But we kicked off January here at Hope with a brand new sermon series, Embracing This Truth. Here it is. I'm going to catch you up. There is nothing normal at all about Christianity. It is just not a normal thing. And so this is the new sermon series we're in, and we have acknowledged, listen, when your life is changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, everything about the way you live also changes. Now, let me say this. Unfortunately, it is normal for most people in our culture today to never, ever find contentment. Most people never find contentment in life. It's normal for many people to constantly be like looking and searching. They're always looking for something better. It's become normal, listen to me, to be self-centered. It has become normal to be motivated by your wants, motivated by your feelings, motivated by your desires. And so just think about this with me. If that kind of describes you at times, you're probably living life as a scorekeeper. Here's what I mean by that. You're constantly comparing your pile of stuff to someone else's pile of stuff. And if you're living that kind of a life, I'm just telling you, it leads to a life of discontentment and envy and selfishness. It is a miserable road to be on. But as a church, here's the great news. As, listen, true followers of Jesus Christ, we're learning we are not called to live normal lives. Are you with me on this? We're not called to live normal lives. If, if somebody wants to say amen, just say it. Amen. Thank you. I just needed somebody to say something. Thank you. <laughs> here's, here's an example. The parents who just took the time to get up early and come to church on a Sunday morning in January when it's cold outside and, you know, get their baby all bundled up, these parents today are boldly saying, I don't want to be a normal parent. Are you with me? They're saying, I don't want to be a normal parent. They're saying, God, would you use us to bring glory to you as we raise our children in a way that would honor the Lord? Church, every one of you in here today, every one of you in this room today, you made a decision to get up out of your warm, comfy bed and come to church. Guess what? That's not normal. Normal today is to stay in bed, right? Most people are just going to stay in bed on Sunday morning. It's more normal to say, oh, I really don't need the Christian community thing. But that... It's not who we are. That is not who we are. Instead, today, we gather because we need each other. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other in this body. So we're coming together, and we're saying we're here because we love God, we love people, and we believe God calls us to prove that to our community. We're here because we believe the Bible teaches us that we are better together. This is what we believe. And so I want to remind you of two foundational truths that I've shared in this series from week number one. Truth number one is this. If you want what normal people want, 
do what normal people do. If you want what normal people want, just do what normal people do. Here comes the helicopter. You hear it? That kind of stuff just distracts me to no end. Where is it? How? That is not normal, helicopter. Go away. Okay. That last night at my house, by the way, there were fighter jets flying over, you know, about 7.30. Did y'all hear that? Yeah. Woo! Okay. I thought the Blue Angels were back, but anyway. I love me some Blue Angels. If you want what normal people want, just do what normal people do. But here's the second foundational truth we've talked about. Scripture teaches if you want what few people have, begin to do what few people do. Where does this come from? Jesus said it himself. He taught this principle. We'll put it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. The scripture says this. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. This is his word to us, to believers. Enter through the narrow gate. Why? Because wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many people go that way. Many people are going that way. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. It is normal in our world today to be on the wide road. Come on, just get on this road. We're all going together. But the scripture clearly teaches us it leads to destruction. It's the narrow road, the road that few people are on that leads to life. Now, think, think Old Testament with me for a moment. Today, I wanted to share with you one of the most realistic examples of what it looks like not to live a normal life. Consider the lives of Abraham and Sarah. There was nothing normal about Abraham and Sarah following God. They actually trusted God to guide them. They actually packed up all of their belongings and trusted him when he told them to go in a certain direction when they knew not where they were even going. There was nothing normal about Sarah, who was many, many years beyond childbearing age when she conceived and she had a baby boy named Isaac. There was definitely nothing normal about Abraham when, listen, there was nothing normal when he was obedient to the Lord when God asked him if he was willing to sacrifice his Isaac at the altar. For most all of us in this room, normal would have been to say, God, there's no way. God, there's no way. Normal would have been to say, God, I'm not moving. I like it here where I am. I'm comfortable. Normal would have been to say, God, I, I'm not sure you really understand. I'm not sure you really care about this situation we're in. And normal dads in this room would have been to say, there is no way I'm taking my son Isaac to that altar. But when you read God's word, when you learn from God's word that he really is faithful, everything begins to change. Look at the text with me from Deuteronomy chapter 7. What a promise. Listen, no matter where you are this morning, no matter what you find yourself going through, you may be in this room and you would say to me, Kent, you have no idea what, what I'm going through right now. I don't. Many of you, I don't. 
But would you please receive the truth of God's word? Look at this text. Know, therefore, know this, that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. And right there it is. He is the faithful God. With each year of of life that God has given me, I have personally seen over and over and over again how God is faithful. But I have also learned this, friends. God's ways, God's plans... What God reveals, listen, it's usually not what I'm expecting. And it's definitely not what other people would say is normal. I don't want you to think that's a bad thing because really, it's a good thing. It's a God thing. When you can get to a place in your life where your focus is on Jesus Christ, and I know we're not all there. But when you're in that direction and you get to a place in your life where your focus is on Christ, when you begin to move more away of living a self-centered life and you're moving into living a God-centered life, something happens. Your, Your heart changes. Your heart begins to change. The way you interact with your spouse changes. And all of a sudden, it's it's no more normal because your heart has changed. The way you parent your children changes. And all of a sudden, it's not not normal. It's not like everybody else because your heart has changed. The way you date, the way you talk, what you watch, what you think about, how you prioritize your time, what you do with the money God has given you, all of a sudden, it's, it's just not normal. It's not like everybody else because your heart has changed in everything, in everything, in everything we do. Christ calls us to seek first the kingdom of God. Look at Proverbs chapter three, beginning in verse one. My son, my daughter, Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days, a full life, and a well-being. Never, you might want to underline that, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Loyalty to God, faithfulness to God, loyalty to man, faithfulness to man. How important is this? Oh, you should tie it around your neck. You should write it on the tablet of your heart. Then when you do these things, you will find favor and high regard both with God and with people. And then probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible, in all of this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding in all of your ways. Know him. And when you do that, Scripture says he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord 
all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. These first three weeks, not even three full weeks yet of 2020, have been incredible. Incredible. God is at work, church. And I'm seeing him put in place some events and some circumstances that if I try to lean on my own understanding, I'll never understand. I won't. I won't. So I choose to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. So with that being said, I want to invite Jared to come out. Jared wants to share something with you this morning. uh, And then I'm going to transition into talking to you for just a moment about how God has opened a door for Hope Fellowship Church to have a permanent church home. So come on up here, Jared. And Emily. Yo. I thought we were going to have a prayer or something to get me in here a better transition. I thought I had some time. Uh, yo, how y'all doing? Cool. Hey, if you're a guest today, uh, we love you guys. We're so glad you're here to see babies be dedicated. I'm about to get real awkward on you if you're a guest. So just hang tight, cling to your seat, and we'll get you out of here soon. Um, It's going to be awkward for a minute. Uh, I got some stuff I want to share with you guys, Emily and I do. And uh, at this point, I've talked to, uh, I'm going to get this out of my way. Uh, I've talked to everybody who uh, I felt like I needed to tell in person, and if that's not you, that's because I knew you'd be here, and it just got hard to do this over and over. Um, so I'm going to lay it all out there, and then I'm going to explain to you guys what God's doing. Uh, Emily and I have accepted a position at another church in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, and we will be here at Hope Fellowship Church for another two weeks. I will preach on Sunday and two weeks from today, and that will be our last Sunday here at Hope Fellowship Church. So there is the, there's it all out there. Now I want to explain to you what God is doing, and I want to explain to you uh, just the craziness of the Lord confirming something that's so terrifying in us. Uh, a year ago, and, and some of y'all know me, man, like, like we've, been, we've been here one, and I never thought God would call us away from this beautiful church, and I'd hoped he never would. Um, and so a year ago, uh, a church had reached out to us, and we started a conversation uh, that they had asked us to come over and help them start a new campus. And we prayed about that. And last year in the season of our church, we knew that God was not releasing us, that uh, we needed to be here to continue to build and plant this church. We knew that that's what God had us doing. And uh, and so fast forward, it was really easy a year ago to brush that off. And so fast forward to 21 days of prayer and then a week of fasting this this past fall. Uh, Emily and I made the decision that we were going to pray over for fresh vision for our ministry. Me just assuming that was going to mean students and that was going to mean what we do here, uh, that God would just renew us in vision for what we have for our ministry here. And God just began to put in us, just uh, we started processing, feeling that maybe God's releasing us and that God has something new that we don't know what it looks like yet. So that was a big thing to process. And in that same season, uh, this church uh, called us again. We started talking again, and they said, hey, we've never filled that role. Would you interview for it again? And, and we said, well, awkward timing, yes. Um, we thought for sure 
that we would go through this process, and again, we would get to brush it off and say, nah, it's just not right. We're supposed to stay at Hope. And as we went through this process, the Lord continued just to break us down and say, no, I think I need you to come help this other church get going. And uh, so we prayed and prayed, and we just began to test the Lord. Gideon, if you're familiar with his story, he was a coward that God called a mighty warrior. And when God called him to go forward, Gideon began to test the Lord. He said, okay, God, if you really want me to do this, uh, I'm going to lay this blanket out on the ground. And if there's dew all over the grass, but the blanket's dry in the morning, then I'll know it's you. And so he did so, and the blanket was dry, and there was dew on the grass. And so he said, well, that may be coincidence. So the next night he prayed, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it again, but this time would you make the blanket filled with dew, but the grass dry? And the Lord did it again. And the Lord continued to show him what he was calling him towards was right. And so Emily and I were in a testing season with the Lord because we didn't want to go anywhere uh, emotionally. We can follow the Lord with, courageously, but emotionally it's going to be a bit difficult. And so the Lord, in just some very special ways that are dear to our heart, uh, continued to confirm through some people and through his word that we have to. And so this church had asked us to give them an answer by Christmas Eve. And so, <laughs> cool date, right? <laughs> And so on Christmas Eve, I came really early here to start setting up for our Christmas Eve service. And I was alone and praying and, and just was like, okay, Lord, we're going to have to do this, but I need your help emotionally. So I called them in this gym. I said, hey, man, I want you to know we're, we're going to do it. This is what the Lord's told us to do. We're going to come over and help you guys. And um, fast forward now to winter escape. We're about to take our teenagers on this trip that we do every uh, beginning of the year in January. And I'm teaching on Jonah. And I told Emily right before we left, I said, hey, baby, I want you to know that I feel like I'm going to back out of this thing. I, I don't think emotionally I can get there. And uh, so we go on winter escape, and we're teaching on Jonah, and uh, what a good idea. And if you don't know Jonah's story, the Lord tells him to do something, and he runs, and uh, oh, there's this moment that really caught my eye, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And it's when Jonah's running, and he gets on the ship, and he, the storm comes on the ship. And it says that the sailors begin to cry out for fear for their own life. And for the first time ever, that really messed me up. Because it wasn't Jonah who was freaking out. It was the people he influenced. And that the storm that was caused by Jonah was affecting the people he was closest with. And I began to see this image in my mind of a pastor who's in rebellion cannot lead a church well. And if I continue to run from the Lord, it will indeed affect the people I influence. And, um, and so that scared me a lot. And so I came home and I said, Emily, we got to do this thing because if we don't, my ministry is not going to be any good. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we began to emotionally get there, but I had one more hang up. I had told dad from the get, that I feel called to help him plant this church until we have a future home and until we have a building. Uh, for whatever reason, that timeline was always very heavy on my heart. And, um, and so I began just, I was weeping and crying most nights because I felt like I was walking away uh, without finishing my job and without helping him get where we need to get. And uh, so I was just begging God, like, I need you to give us something, man. Because I, I don't know what to do. You've called me to do this. 
but I feel like I haven't finished strong. I feel like you haven't kept your end of the deal. And uh, so we were praying and praying and praying, and, the, and we get back from winter escape, and it's that week, and I'm just wrestling with God. And Thursday morning of last week, after praying all these crazy things, we get a phone call. And would you believe God keeps his promises, you guys? And, um, and the Lord has given us something really great. And so while we are sad to share with you some sad news, we're about to share with you some really good news too, church. Uh, and so I want to I give him the opportunity to share some things about that phone call. But, but before we share that, what I want you to know, there's something crazy. Because emotionally, you guys got to know, like, we're in a really emotional place right now. And, um, but when we got this phone call, when the Lord confirmed some stuff, I want to tell you something. Um, a peace and a release that was so tangible and greater than something I've experienced of God in a long, long time fell over me. And our whole staff was looking like dummies in the office, just excited, looked like a little girl before Christmas. And uh, we were just so pumped up. And, and I'm just sitting there like, God's real. Holy crap, God is real. God is like listens to the prayers of his people. And what I want to tell you is in this season for us, as Emily and I begin to transition, there's two things that a church tends to think when they see a staff transition. They say, oh, I hear their words, but there must be two things. There must be disunity on the staff and something's messed up so somebody's bailing or he's just going to get a promotion and a raise. Um, this is probably not wise to tell you, but one, our staff is better than it's ever been. Our leadership is better than it's ever been as we've implemented elders. Our deacons are better than they've ever been as they are serving you guys in new ways and creative ways that are pretty awesome. There is no disunity at all. This has been not filled of anger but with tears. But I should also let you know I'm not getting any sort of raise. In fact, it's going to be a bit harder on our family. And this is not a uh, grass is greener situation because we're going about to do church in another school. And um, <laughs> that's hard. Um, but, but I want you to know something, you guys. Like, y'all are my family. And when you follow the Lord, uh, you say yes. And you don't get to control the circumstance. You don't get to control the plan. You don't get to take the wheel. You get to sit in the front seat. You get to sit in the back seat and hope you figure out where you're going. And, uh, and so we're on that journey. So pray for our family, if you would. But I want to pass it to Pops because uh, he's about to make this whole thing come together and beautiful. And we want to let you guys in the loop on something that's just really, really neat that happened last week for our church. So we love you guys. We think y'all are the best church in the whole wide world. Uh, I never dreamed that there would come a day where I was doing this ever, ever, ever. Um, but we're going to follow the Lord in my prayer for our church. And, and hopefully as I get to share with you guys one more time in two weeks is that this will always be a church who loves God with their heart, soul, and mind and that loves people like themselves, that we can love God, love people, and prove it in ways that this Middle Tennessee area has yet to even see, that we will begin to do that and impact people and make disciples in a way that no church in Tennessee has ever done because you guys can do that. And so I'm gonna transfer this and what you share. We're so thankful for you guys. We love you guys. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's check some stuff out because it's about to get cool, you guys. It's about to get really cool. Let him, here's your, here's your thing. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that right now. Uh, I'll reserve. There are so many things I want to say, but I'm going to wait and say those things when we honor Jared on February the 2nd.
February 2nd. I'm going I'm to save them for them. Uh, yeah. Love you. If Jared has, has told me once, he's told me 50 times what he just said. Dad, I believe God has me here to help you with this church. And Jared, y'all, from before the school, he did. Um, and so he and I talked Christmas Eve, and, you know, he was just struggling with this. And so I praise the Lord, I'm a processor. He's allowed me to have a little time to think about this and process this. But then when Jared got back from winter retreat and, and uh, you know, that day at the office, I was in my office when my phone rang. I mean, y'all, we're talking like 10 days ago, okay, that Thursday morning. Monica at that time was at the office. Um, Jared was at the office. And uh, Lydia, you, Lydia had come by to visit us. Lydia was at the office. And so on the phone was my next door neighbor. We moved three years ago from a house in Laverne to a house in Smyrna. Sweetest man in the world. I consider him one of my dearest friends. He's a retired guy who loves Jesus with all of his heart. And it was my neighbor on the phone. And uh, he said, hey, Kent, I'm, I'm with Pastor Dan. I got you on speakerphone. Uh, okay. It's kind of weird, but okay. And they just like, hey, is Hope Fellowship Church interested in buying our church? I'm like, What? And so it took me a minute to kind of get my mind around even what had been going on there in their congregation. Uh, the church, the name of the church is Trinity Christian Church. Trinity Christian Church is on Lee Victory Parkway. And some of you are like, I have no idea where that is. But if you got on I-24 uh, from the Waldron Road exit and start heading towards Murfreesboro, you first get to Sam Ridley Parkway, and then the next Smyrna exit is Lee Victory. So you get off there and you turn to the left as if you were going to go to the Publix but you just keep going on down the road for probably half a mile. And on the right side of the road, there are two smaller churches right next door to each other, Trinity Christian, and on the left is All Saints Episcopal. I'm like, man, what, what's the deal? So their church has been through a lot of transition, and they're in a season of change. And an average Sunday, there's, I think, about 40 people, but about 30 of the 40 people all live in the Rockville Christiana community. And so uh, Pastor Dan said, man, the Lord's just been leading us in this, and we feel like what we're supposed to do is, is move and actually kind of restart. Uh, and they may go to school for all I know, but uh, that's what they really feel God leading them to do. And so they said, you know, when this church was started, the founders, the people who first started the church, they, their heart's desire would be for this to continue to be a church. And then I'm like, man, I have no idea. What about money? What about all this stuff? And then they told me the value of the land with the existing building, and I was like, that's, that's money, that's, that's real. But then when they told me um, what they wanted to do for Hope Fellowship Church, which is basically to offer us this building and land for about one-third of what it will appraise for, that was completely overwhelming. And in this journey, I always believe that God will make it so clear and so evident when he's ready for us to find a place that we'll all just be like, of course, of course. But the Lord hadn't done that until, until now. 
And so there, I ask you to pray last week. There's some very specific things to pray about. Um, just things like, is there a clear title? We'll probably know that by Tuesday. While we have wonderful banking friends who say, yeah, this is good. We can help you with a loan to make this happen until you submit all the paperwork. And it takes about five days. That has to happen. So two things. I'm going to ask you to pray for some very specific things. Number one, we're praying that the, the um, title search will come back clear. Nothing. Nothing at all. And then we're praying for the process with the bank, that God would lead us there. Now, you know what? E even if we didn't call Mr. Banker, what if? What if you as a people... What if God brought people into this story just to give generously? How would that be? Not even to have to call the bank. Because you have already began to faithfully give towards our Hope for the House campaign. I think it's pretty hilarious that we're in month one of this campaign, and this happens in month one. But who knows what the Lord might do? Because you know we've been pushing into a savings account now for several years. So, uh, church, we're on this road. We're on this journey. There are some details that have to be worked out, but we are moving ahead towards prayerfully acquiring this church. Your questions will be this. Is it big enough? No, it's not. There's enough land there, but the actual building is only about 8,000 square feet. Well, could it work for, for big church if we go to two church services? Yep. Would people be out there like fighting in the parking lot over parking spots? Yep. Would there be enough space for all these babies and toddlers and grade schoolers? Absolutely not. Not even in two services. So um, I looked. They, they, they've given me everything. These guys are so gracious. Here, Kent, take the blueprints. Look at this. Look at that. Look at this. And um, the original blueprints showed what they built with their parking and then it shows, here's, here's where phase two would be. Here's where you would add more parking spots. Here's where you would build the next building to connect to the existing building. And so I'm like, well, would you look at that? <laughs> would you look at that? So all those things are on our radar. I'm, more than, I'm not an architect. I'm a preacher, okay? But, but what I believe will happen would be that most likely the existing building could be re repurposed into kids' ministry, you know, babies, preschool, nursery, a welcome area. And then on the backside of the existing building, we would, we would add a, a sanctuary and probably a lobby and, you know, extra bathrooms, those kind of things. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, but it is about as exciting as exciting can be. I, I took some pictures on my cell phone. These are horrible pictures. I'll just show you this place so you can get an idea. Uh, that's a picture of it. As you're driving in to the right off there, off Lee Victory, the, to the left would be kind of down a little bit is the All Saints Episcopal Church. Uh, we can go to the next slide. That's it from the other end. What? Oh, I gotta move. I'm in the way. Well, if I get there, it's going to feedback, okay? Um, all right. Pastor parking spot right under the drive-thru. Nobody else gets to park there. I'm kidding. Next Next slide. So this is on around, this is kind of the backside. You can see All Saints Episcopal on the left there, part of it. But so the parking lot would expand back here. And then if, if we were able to add on, we would, it would be on, on the right, to the right of the church building, 
and would connect somehow to, to the existing building. Next slide. Just in case you don't know, there's the sign. It's a blue sign with the red flashing stuff that, you know, woo, flashing lights, okay? Uh, across the street is a shell station, and to the right of that is the liquor store, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> Y'all, we use grape juice when we have communion here, okay? <laughs> Maybe not anymore. No, I don't know. All right, next slide. Uh, oh, there's a playground for kids. Yeah. Yeah, playground, swings back there. Uh, I don't know if you can see kind of to the right. They got like this fire pit kind of thing going on down there. So uh, anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's what the Lord is doing. And so as you begin to pray about this with us and think about this with us, um, yeah, it, it's a God thing. It is a God thing. And, and we just give him the glory. We are excited about this. It, my son leaving to go continue to serve for the glory of God's kingdom. Yes, it's overwhelming to me. And I love him and Emily with all of my heart, but I sure am glad Columbia is only an hour away. Amen. And uh, at the same time, if you know anything about me and Jared, we're kind of alike in some ways. There's some laughs like, oh. And uh, here's what I believe is going to happen. I've relied on him so much. He and I both are kind of like, I'm just going to do it myself. You know, I'm going to do it myself. I can't do it myself anymore, okay? And uh, Jared kind of rolled that way too. So what I envision is God opening door after door after door for you, the body, to step into roles of leadership to serve, to make a difference, to be a part of what God is doing. So, uh, y'all, the Lord, uh, is, he's making a way. We're asking you to pray. We're asking you to be generous in your giving. Like, like who knows what the Lord might do? Who knows what the Lord might do? Because every dollar we give towards hope for the house means even if we have to go to the bank, the payment just gets lower and lower and lower, being a good steward of the money God gives us. So this is where we're at. This is where we're going. We're excited. Are y'all ready to sing and celebrate? Yeah. We, listen, y'all stand up, stand up. Um, we were looking at the songs for this week, and we were like, okay, Jared's announcing, and then I'm going to make this announcement. I'm like, there's only one song we're going to sing. we got to sing this song, even though we did it last week. It's a song called Waymaker. And so we're going to sing this together. Jared, what I want you to do, because um, I know about, you know, every person in this room is going to want to hug you. Will you and Emily... Before church lets out, just go over to this gym wall so people can love on you and hug you. And let me say this too. I talked to, by the way, there's so much. I should have had notes. All of the elders, all of the deacons, all of our budget team, everybody, when I talked to them this week, all in, 100% in. But the elders said to me, hey, Kent, we honor Jared with a love offering. Some of you may not be here in two weeks. So we set up a table at the back with a jar back there. If you'd like to give towards Jared and Emily, we'll start that today, and then we'll give them that love offering on February 2nd, okay? Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.